This podcast, as the title of this video suggests, is Mentors Among Us. It's a passion project of mine. It's something I've wanted to do for a very long time, but I've always been held back by self-doubts, self-criticism, fear of failure, fear of being ridiculed, voices in my head, essentially. But three weeks ago, I decided to kind of take the plunge and just do it instead of being held back by fear. Uh, accepting the fact that fear won't go away, but I have to learn to dance with it in a way. So after filming this podcast, I realized, hey, um, I'm kind of missing something. And it is a proper introduction to what this podcast is about. Mentors Among Us is a conversation of mine with people, mostly Malaysians, that I deem amazing in what they do. It is my job in a way to tease out their habits, their routines, their life experiences, their mindsets, who they really are, the whys that kind of push them to do what they do. But more importantly, I'm going to say very selfishly, it is for myself. It is my platform or my avenue or my medium to seek answers for myself to kind of navigate through this life, right? Why am I doing that? Because I'm turning 30 at the end of the year. And I realized that the common saying of wisdom coming with age does not necessarily apply to me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm getting more senile. Maybe I'm getting, uh, getting more confused. But the point of me saying that is because I realize that every time I'm in doubts, every time that I'm uncertain, I am unsure of what is it in, in life, right? The broad word life that I want to achieve. It is through meaningful conversations with individuals that I deem uh, have kind of figured it out. Well, to be honest, no one has actually figured it out right in life, but somewhat figured it out uh, way ahead of me in life and they don't necessarily have to be older than me. It is through such meaningful conversations, not just surface level chats, right? That I get to, I get closer to the answers that I seek. And hopefully through this medium, through this platform, through this podcast, I get to put that into audio, say that till the end of times, and have everyone who listens to it kind of benefit from it as well. Thank you today for the viral guys, John and MJ, for hello, hello. being host, being host, <laughs> being guest number one on my podcast. And Very humble. There's a bunch of questions that I have written here, so I'm sorry if I keep looking at the phone through the camera. Yeah. Uh, and a bunch of questions that my clients, uh, my training clients have given me to, wow. to ask. But I do want to start this podcast with this question that I've been, um, I've been meaning to ask both of you guys. Sure. Uh, okay, specifically okay. also for MJ, right? All right. Uh, because it's something that you've always said. You've always brought to mind. Why is it important to, as an investor, to incline barbell bench press. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> okay, so this, this is obviously to me. La. Jo I, I think Johnny can answer from a perspective of sports. Yes. Okay, so why why do you want to... Uh, okay, so this is probably more relevant for guys. Uh, if you're a girl or, or a lady, uh, you actually don't need... Right, you're a PT, you know, they don't need to do uh, barbell bench press. They just need to train their lower body, that's it, right? And their abs. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, no, for, for... I mean, of course, you don't have to do a barbell or in fact i prefer dumbbell bench presses uh, you know because it's better on the joints and the arm but the reason you do it is because when you lift heavy things basically when you when you go against gravity which is essentially what all resistance training is uh first of all you come into contact with reality which is that uh, gravity exists and so why is it related to finance is because 
you need to have uh, this mindset of having a reality-based worldview, right? So if you live, you, you, it doesn't matter where you're rich, what background you come from, how smart you are. If you can't lift 100 kilos off the ground through a deadlift or you can, can't bench whatever, you can't do it, right? No one, there's no advantage in the world, no contact. Your network won't be able to help you lift the, the, the dumbbells or the barbells off the ground. Uh, same for 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 finance, right? Now, of course, in finance, it's a little bit different. But basically, when it comes to stock investing, especially, you always want to you you, you can have, you can read all the books, you can have all the theories in the world about why you should do this, why this should be your strategy, or that. and it's fine, great. You know, it sounds logical, sounds good on paper, but at the end of the day, you got to apply it, mm-hmm. and it's got to work. It's got to be lifted off the ground. So, why I use inclined. Uh, or inclined barbell press, uh, barbell or dumbbell presses. Specifically, as a PT, you know that uh, when you do a normal bench for guys, you can't really hit the, the upper body more. Yeah. So with an incline, you can hit the upper body more, and so that gives you uh, your gives your top more shape, more width, and so then that helps with the V taper, which every every guy wants, right? Your top, you want your top and to be big. And then your waist to be smaller, not the other way around. Most people go through life because they, most people don't lift anyway. Yeah. So their top is small, but then their bellies and their bottoms <laughs> are big. Spare tires. So, yeah. But that's that's the first reason, reality-based worldview. Second reason is that when you lift weights, what actually happens is that you improve a testosterone level, which I think globally, especially in uh, the modern world, is actually declining. So what is the relevance? And you know, the word testosterone usually has like negative connotations. Mm. Oh, it's like some dumb brute, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, doing stupid things. And of course, to the extreme, that is true, right? Mm. But essentially, from my understanding, I'm not an expert, but the testosterone is actually what I would call the action hormone, right? Because when you invest, uh, there's a lot of information, way more than you live or any other, almost every other activity. So all this information can cause uh, analysis paralysis. This is a very uh, famous term, right? So when you do that, at the end of the day, you need to take action to make money, to buy or sell whatever stocks you have. But if you're analysis paralysis, you can't make that. Mm. So with testosterone, I felt for me personally is that you have, you're more likely to make decisions when you have incomplete information, which is absolutely crucial for investing. But if you're someone who don't lift weights or just exercise, right? Uh, not not cardio, but everything else where you require body movements and muscles, then that can, of course, affect uh, that kind of, uh, that can affect your ability to make decisions. Mm. And that's why testosterone, I think, is key because it's kind of like the, let's do it, right? Mm. And I draw this distinction because men and, uh, men and women are different in that sense because women don't have as much testosterone. That's why they are a lot more detailed. They mm. analyze things from a lot more angle, but as a result, they don't take action, right? That's also the reason why they don't have uh, the thick skin to ask for raises because they are wondering if I ask for raises, what's going to happen? You know, it's mm. like so many different scenarios. But the guy's like, yeah, I'm just going to try it, man. Forget fired. 50-50. Sorry, man. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, so that's my long answer. Yeah, it's a very real, <laughs> it's a very real thing, right? I suppose yeah. the glass ceiling and... Yeah, I, I would I would assume that that theory wouldn't come off well in this very uh, snowflake, very politically correct. Yeah, world. yeah. But there's, there's definitely Spot research that. 
comes to showing hey hormone levels affect a lot of these things that weightlifting is not politically correct right, <coughs> right because weightlifting just say can you do it you, if you can't you can't do it right so it's not politically it's correct. very it's very binary uh, one or zero anyway. yeah, yeah either you can lift it or you can't lift it that's it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I suppose for you, for you, John, I know badminton has been a huge part of your uh, outlets, at least uh, especially pre-pandemic. Yeah. And I know you probably have been struggling with trying to get games in right now, but why is badminton important for you and how do you personally see it relating to investing? I I think badminton, <clears throat> rather than using badminton for, for this case, I, I, I'd like to share a story that when MJ was um, narrating his answer just now, it just came to mind. Uh, um, have you guys heard of this guy, uh, this player called Andy Roderick? Tennis. Tennis. Right? Ah, yes, yes. Andy Roderick. Roderick. Yeah, right. Rod Roderick or Roderick? Roderick or Roderick. I think I it's Andy Roderick. Roderick, okay. He was world number four at one point. Correct, correct. And it was, uh, it was a very famous match because he was going against Roger Federer. Yeah, I think it was Wimbledon. I can't remember what year, okay? And he was, it, it was the best chance of his life to be able to score an upset against Federer, okay? And they were neck to neck, you know. I was watching the whole game till about two in the morning. That's why it was very vivid to me. <clears throat> what happened was this. So they changed sides on the court. Okay, tiebreaker, right? Uh, Roger was to serve. The moment Roger served, right? It was neck to neck, you know, point, one point, one point, one point. Roger served. The sun came out and covered the shit. And Andy Ro missed that. Andy Rod Roddick Damn. missed. missed. <laughs> So, so what 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 lessons did I draw and related to finance and related to sports and also related to in your life is this <clears throat> in investing? Uh, there's so many elements. How would you have assumed or predicted the sun and the the, the shed would have just impact just because of he lost that point, right? That's it. The game was lost. Uh. After that, it was subsequently it was like then tiebreaker. Then after that, uh, uh, Federer won. <clears throat> but in in life, right? Yeah. <clears throat> it's those big championships that matter, but it's also about the sustainability. He, Federer doesn't win every day, but he gets consistently at the top so that one day, with all this, even with all these elements in play, he can still be number one. And I think in investing, right, a lot of people focus so much on the wins or the lose <clears throat> being so extreme, but people forget about the consistency. And I think in sport, right, I, I was just telling MJ, <clears throat> there was one game that was so funny, it's a joke. I like telling stories more. So MJ and I played badminton one time together. He was yeah, my yeah. doubles partner, okay? Then he saw me had a backhand smash. <laughs> okay, it's then hard he, to achieve. Yeah, so he straight away he asked, hey John, how do you twist? I said, uh, it's okay, forget it. <laughs> yeah, some, con some context, I'm a former tennis player actually. Yeah. So anyone who has played tennis before transitioning into badminton, right? You know what I'm talking about that your wrist, because in tennis your wrist has to be very fixed. Yeah. But in badminton he has to be very flexible. Correct. So it was a very weird uh, experience for me, la. Yeah. So that's the context. So 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 I just told MJ, it's not that I was looking down or condescending on him. I just said that you know I, I can't teach you in a game in five minutes, huh? So coming back to the point about consistency about. Yeah. I, I'm a, you know, uh, one day one day when I can afford you, Bradley, you need to you need to get my V-shape for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really about that consistency, about also being practical and realistic about the elements. Because when you play sports, mm. badminton, tennis, basketball, right? Oh, some people say, oh, the light was in my eye. Oh, the, the, what, or the wind, you know? Excuses. Yeah. <laughs> Excuses, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's really about 
how do you deal with this uncertainty and the elements? Because you would never be able to, if you just look all of it in concepts and theories, right? Investing is not really about, oh, I check, check box A, B, C, D, and that's done, you know? Mm. But it's really about understanding that there are elements in play that are beyond your control. And you have to realize that by you just train yourself to prepare for these elements and sometimes it's chance. Huh? And a lot of people don't take that because they see it in binary form, either it's a win or a lose or whatever. It's like, oh, Chong Wei never won the gold medal. Yeah, but he has been number one for so long. You know, It was just probably at that point, at that time, you know, his psychology didn't. How many people can even reach Chong Wei's level? You know, We're really? all armchair critics, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. armchair critics. Huh? So I think relating back to investing is really about being consistent and being um, being disheartened by, and, and looking at things in binary form. Uh, it's either you make money or you lose money. No, 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 no. It's not that. Yeah. yeah. And another thing I, add, I forgot to add about the point about bank pressing is that uh, I read a book quite a while ago by Jordan Peterson, right? And it's called 12 Rules for Life. And okay. one of the most striking thing about the book is that the first rule is to keep your chest up. Mm. For sure. Yeah. Right? And he gave the example of a lobster. <clears throat> so when a, when a lobster, uh, like, they they actually they can actually know the mood of a lobster based on whether their chest is up or not. So they can actually measure, right? So when you get a lobster, let's say that just lost a fight to win a mating partner, right? The he will his chest will be inside like that, and then he would be it would be caved in like, and then he, you will actually see serotonin levels in his head actually reduce. But then the lobster, which is which has which is like that, right? But the chest is out, serotonin levels are a lot higher. So the thing is some people, uh, even if they are mentally conscious to have their chest up all the time so that they can improve serotonin levels, maybe they're not in that body shape to do it. Mm. And so one of the reasons why you do incline bench press is so that the likelihood of you- <laughs> Puffing your chest up. Yeah. yeah. And plus, even if you have the mental confidence to do it, but if you have no chest, right? So it's better to have chest so that you, yeah, that's the third reason I forgot to add actually. Because of that, I want to ask this, uh, since Bradley's a PT, right? So I have a friend, uh, Aaron, a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. There was a few times I went to the gym with him and uh, after, I, I I used to train because I was, I was an athlete before, but what I did was, I after I did a, was it a push-up? Push I, I can't remember what exactly I did, but when I sat down, I was slumped mm. and he gave a slap to my, to my, to my shoulder mm. and he said that, you know, you, you have to always, even though you're how tired you are, you have to, yeah, is that is that something you teach your clients too? Um, this is something that has uh, this is gonna this is gonna I suppose uh, <laughs> uh go a little bit further away from the no the, no the no that's fine it's your <laughs> but um posture is something posture perception of posture has evolved a lot over the years okay um I think the initial phase at least when I came into the industry was that we are told that hey there is an ideal textbook posture shoulders okay. roll back chest okay. up yeah. uh, arch your back head forward because um, whatever that's wrong uh -huh. with our day-to-day -day computer use, right? Okay. Is when we slouch, yes. chin up, and we get into that kind of like yeah, caveman, right. yeah, 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 tall posture. Yeah. Uh, the neck, right? That's it. But the problem with trying to get everyone into that posture is that it, uh, the expectation is that that is the ideal posture for everyone. And uh, everyone should be able to get to that posture. Okay. Uh, in fact, right, if you look at a lot of these yoga poses, they get into extremely weird oh, and awkward yes. poses. Contorted. They, they round their back to the point where your kairos or your doctors would cringe, right? Yeah. They're probably the healthiest, uh, the most mobile, uh, healthiest joints people in the world. Um, 
things have changed a lot. So what they're trying to, what we're trying to recommend these days is the fact that you have an ideal posture, okay. but it's not a textbook posture that everyone shows you in the internet on the pictures, how you should stand. I see. Um, exercise helps you to get to an ideal posture better. Okay. Um, but it will deviate a lot more from the super upright posture or shoulders back posture. Understand. So, Okay. Okay. So there's no, there's no fix. One. Right. Okay. But Great. if you see, if you see a kid who is like 12 years old and he's hunched over, he cannot even like stand straight, <laughs> probably because he spent too much time in front of the computer playing games. Yeah. And that's perhaps a problem. Understand. Uh, there's no, but it's usually there's no right or wrong case. I see. Also from my understanding is that your, your spine is actually created to naturally curve. Mm. And I think in that scenario you gave, it's actually find like at the end of a very tiresome workout to actually slouch, slouch because you're very tired your abdominals are already mm. fatigued right yeah and so because the, a lot of people don't know this that the, the abdominal and the pt can correct me if i'm wrong the abdominals is crucial for spine posture mm. because if you're if you're if you exhaust if let's say you lose air or, or it's not tight then naturally your mm, back will be rounded. Will be round. Okay. So when you are in a exhaustive state right at the end of your workout, right? Obviously, you're not going to have a lot of strength for your abdominals, especially if you play badminton or whatever, yeah. right? Hit exercise, whatever. So I think it makes sense for a brief moment to be hunched a bit. I see. But I guess the problem begins when you are, your your lifestyle is hunched. Yeah, you're in front of the PC all the time and you're hunched all the time. So yeah. in that sense, yes puffed up, shoulders back. For most of the time when you do PC work, yeah, probably advisable. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. after workout, it maybe for that five, 10 <laughs> can, minutes, can it's slack fine. Uh. <laughs> I think it's not slack, I think. Yeah. yeah, I actually don't think it's slack. I think a safe general recommendation uh, that we try to give people is that you can have a variety of posture. Okay. Just don't fix yourself in that posture for too long. I yeah. understand. Yeah. Standing is healthy, right? Imagine yeah. standing six hours a day, <clears throat> yeah. being in that military position, that's not great for your back as well. Correct. So, correct. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Especially suppose, if you're not wearing proper shoes or so. Yeah, 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 totally. Nuances to everything, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I suppose, like yeah. very much like investing. Correct. Um, but I just want to do justice to your company name, Firo. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everyone gets it wrong. Everyone says what? Financially independent, retired. Firo. Firo. But that's our, that's our problem. Uh, we didn't really think very hard about this. But you guys are financed in real life. That's right. Firo. Yes. Yeah. And I want to say you guys have um, uh, opened my eyes to how a rather unconventional path to um, being self-employed mm. has been. Mm. Yeah, especially true. I mean, this is your studio here. I'm right, right, it. right. Yeah, right. Uh, everything that you guys have achieved in the past year was uh, really nothing short of amazing to me. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um, but it's just a ask, right? If you guys go to a party, you guys meet someone new, and they ask you, uh, "What do you do?" What's your comment? What's an answer? What's your response? What's the elevator pitch? <laughs> I talk about stocks on YouTube. That's, uh, that's it. <laughs> Succinct. Yeah. Uh, I usually say I'm in, I'm in the investment line. Yeah. I Long long to short is, is really I, I'm in the investment line. Uh, and then if they probe further, then I'll go into an explanation. But if they don't, I just keep it there. Because uh, what I found and um, I mean, I've been very blessed to uh, to have started off in the insurance industry when mm. I first came out from employment. So I, I, I have gone through the experience of feeling very belittled before. And it was, uh, I think it was a good uh, humility experience from, 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 for me and, 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 and going through that, that, that um, realization that is not a matter of what you know, it's really a matter of how much you care 
So I, I guess sometimes um, when people ask that question, especially about what I do, or what, what Fira does is I'm cautious by not, re, not telling too much. But only when I only when it pips their interest and they start asking, then I start de- descri- mm, describing okay. Yeah, like like I think MJ and I there was a time he was he was also explaining this to me. He said sometimes he get very tired because the moment he says, "Hey, I do stocks," right? Then the next question is, "Hey, what do you think of this stock?" Uh, yeah. you, that that uh, so absolutely yeah. So so it's always a balance because there is so like what you said earlier. The, there's so much nuances in this field. And I think a lot of people come in with a certain bias. I'm being very honest, being a bias rather than and a certain perception. That's why when you tell people about, if you say that you are an insurance agent, right? There's already a bias. If you're doing stocks, there's also a bias, whether it's good or bad. And I think viral was started with the intent of trying to change that perception for people. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I wonder, I wonder I, I'm sure you guys noticed this, right? Yeah. But, um, I think two of you guys are very similar yeah. in the paths that you guys have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, consciously chose to drop out of college yeah, right. to right. pursue a path less taken. Right. You create a cushy, well, <laughs> not so much cushy in, on, on an oil rig, yeah. a high paying, uh, rewarding, lucrative job uh, to pursue, as you said, insurance, mm. right? Um, and... This is something that I think a lot of people will be interested in. Mm. Like, why? Why? Maybe MJ first. <laughs> okay, why choose what we are doing right now? Why why choose why choose the path that you less taken. Less taken. Right. Yeah. Um well, I I would say that it was just in in Malaysia, it when it comes to studying and formal education. It's just not very stimulating. It's not very stimulating, and actually, we weren't for the friend for the friends I met. I don't see why I needed to go to school, especially with YouTube, Google era, right? Like, you don't go to school for knowledge anymore. If anything, going to school for knowledge is actually uh, worse mm. because, like, recently the Malay Mail came out with an article about showing how even Sajara textbooks now are getting like dates wrong. <laughs> Like I can oh, understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they got like date wrong. Like 1963, no, but actually 1962. What? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> and, and you know, I understand. Like, I can kind of get where when um when you get interpretations different. Mm. Uh, but this one is facts wrong, right? And even today, also, you know, back during uh before when we were in school, right? There was like an equal. Uh, representation of each of the different races in terms of the contribution of the country. Now it's very lopsided to one side, right? So just on that front alone, and now the fact that you get to choose, I don't, I don't know if you're updated on this, you get to choose uh, what language you want to study for science, okay? Mm. Uh, it just me just goes to show that the 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 at least the secondary and the primary uh, education system is essentially is broken. It's polarizing, would you say that, in a way? Yeah, definitely polarizing, but it's, it's worse than that. It's just broken, right? Mm. Because, yeah. So then even in uni, where things are, I would say, slightly better, um, it's... The, the, the problem for me was that it was still very broad. And what I meant by that is that you would study something short while, 
and you couldn't go deep into it unless you pass all the other exams and then go take a specialized degree or whatever or masters in the future so when everyone was just studying to pass a mark then you ask them why are you studying physics well because i want to be an engineer make make money then to me it's like it doesn't it doesn't really appeal to me right so why i quit uni uh quite simply is because of all of that and that i would be wasting my parents money i would be wasting my time when i can be learning something a lot more useful and doing something a lot more useful in fact i think i i've only cost my parents a paltry sum when it comes to university or pre-university degrees and in fact uh the the, the question for me as well was a financial one what is the roi mm. if i if my parents want to send me to to australia they want to do it um let's say it's three four hundred thousand okay so the question is how much uh how much time do i need to recoup back their money so and i did the math right i actually did the math for university of manchester in england for engineering degree for engineering you know it will still take you 25 years to give back money <laughs> 20 uh, 20 years business degree 25 and up so it's like a losing bet and to drill deeper into that right as as human beings we want to buy good quality things for lower prices yeah. right that's why uh, a pc and all that it's a very high quality thing and the price of a pc drops over time mm-hmm. that's great that's why you know the world is functioning in that arena for university degree the value drops but the price goes up it's a very interesting uh phenomena there's an inflation uh, for uni yeah, yeah but you see if it inflate yeah but the value also go up correct it kind of makes sense like 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 medicine yeah right like people say oh medical degree education is the same in terms of like the the price going up and all that mm. they are very different as we pay more for uh medicine more gets re- reinvested into r d and improves either surgery processes drugs or whatever it is although yes there's egregious price gouging or that yeah that's separate discussion but for university what they teach is the same everything else is for me quite worthless except maybe the uh connections you get let's say if you join a harvard or whatever yeah but the price keeps going up so the value keeps going down the price keeps going up it's ridiculous like no rational human being like if aliens were looking at that they would know why why are these people like paying good money for <laughs> you know so that is one one of the many reasons i can go very deep but that's not the podcast for it but basically that is what i would say is the some of the reasons why university didn't make uh, sense to me so that's the university portion why investing well quite simply is because it's interesting for me and i've always been a generalist in terms of my mindset so i quite like to understand multiple multiple things and that's where investing is the problem with being a generalist in the modern world is that you don't make money mm. you can't be you can't is the jack of all trades problem right no one's going to pay you good money unless you're a specialist right? whether you're a doctor engineer or whatever so there's that problem but the beauty about investing is that you can get financially rewarded for being a generalist in fact it's probably the only field yeah. today where you're a generalist and you can get financially rewarded so that was appealing to me so that's when i started and then i thought okay i can't go straight into like high finance because it requires degree and all that so i managed to enter the financial education industry which also fits into my personal skills of being able to articulate and being able to teach people 
uh, not as good as John in terms of having a heart of a teacher, but definitely uh, I'm okay in that department. So there was some synergy. And then from there, eventually we create what we create today, which is in a way teaching people, but through online medium. Wow, great. <laughs> now that there was a, a, this, the way he articulated, okay, I heard this story a thousand times, right? But the way he at, at, at articulated it this time was like, Difference. Very different. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's yeah. always a lot of passion when you share this story, though. And I can only assume the amount of um the amount of flag that you've gotten making these kind of life choices, right? I mean, as much as in our we I would like to say our rational perception, it makes sense, right? To throw four hundred K into something that you come back and get a job, it's probably three, four K. And four K is considered high yeah. for a start for the for a fresh grad. Yeah. How do your parents think about it? Yeah, obviously there was a immediate resistance, right? And the usual criticisms came up of, uh, you know, having a backup, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. You don't like uni, you know, why not you have a backup and all that? And my response was, hey, you know, if you really want to give me a backup, why not you go and calculate how much money you would spend on a degree, let's say in Melbourne or Manchester and give me the money. Bowsy move. <laughs> You're going to do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right? Why don't you give me money? How? With three to four hundred thousand ringgit, how long can I survive by just staying at home playing video games? A long time, <laughs> a very long time. No, you know. I think the other proposition you could do, you know, MJ, you know, Uncle Et, don't screw me for this. <laughs> I mean, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> three or four hundred thousand. Okay. Uh, interest-free period ten years, and then after that, then we repayment now. Yeah. So if I take <laughs> the money, and I, can you imagine, right? And I was using this example, right? You pay. With my friends who went over to the UK and like they went to good degrees, right? LCs, UCLs, Manchester, and all that. I said, okay, if you're in the UK, right, it's probably like almost half a meal plus all the accommodation, all that stuff, right? Depending on how you live, but then you know, you want to go holiday because you know, uh, universities are once in a lifetime, and you know, you <laughs> this is this period, and then you can never travel again, which is like ridiculous. But so that is, uh, you take that. And you say, okay, you take a 500K and then straight away, right? You are already on a back foot. Now you see the problem is that a lot of my friends are of upper, upper middle class uh, yeah. cloth, right? So they don't think about it that way because that's- It's that a given. Is paying it's it a given, really, yeah. Correct, right? So the problem is that, and in society is that a lot of people will like to follow what rich people do because oh, they're rich, so they do it. Can you imagine the guy who has a middle class or or, or or poor looking at this and saying, yeah, see the rich people do it. So it's worth to invest, right? Then they spend 80K, 100K, of course not as much, but they spend 80K thinking they're going to get an ROI, but they're not, right? But imagine, I was just joking with my friends, okay, you take that half a million, I take that that money and go buy a bunch of land in Chungganu or Kelantan. Oh man. I'll get an ROI straight away. Yeah. And with that, with that land, I can, you know, hire people to, uh, you know, plant vegetables. Or plant like, durian even. Plant durian. <laughs> yeah. Right? So mm. it's like, oh, build a warehouse for storage or whatever. Straight away, I can uh, make money straight away, right? And of course, this is unique to my situation. Lah. Of course, if you can get a scholarship and all that, you know, go do it. Yeah. Right? You should get, you should strive for a scholarship. But what? is the percentage of population in Malaysia or the world that can get a scholarship. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's for the small, but I'm talking about for most of us who cannot get straight A's or straight mm. A stars or yeah. straight A, I don't know what they call it today. Uh, it, it is a losing proposition. Yeah. And and you what you're doing is that if you imagine your, your wealth creation life as a race, right? You're starting from the back foot. 
You're already in deficit. The moment you're in deficit. Yep. And this is a huge problem for America right now. 1.5 trillion in student debt. It yeah. overtook auto loans. Yeah. <laughs> it's only behind housing debt now. Correct. Student loans is... Yeah. So and the fact that most can't find a job at least in the next year. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly, man. It's a bubble, man. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you, I already see it trickling in Malaysia because um, how much do graduates actually get paid yeah. today? And if they... You, you think about it, uh, I wouldn't have said this to myself 10 years ago. I know. Shit, man, I've left, I've left employment, sorry. <laughs> I've left employment for quite some time, but I would have said this to myself mm. when I graduated because you would have, that was the norm. Everybody would have just gone gone and you know get, gotten a piece of degree, whatever. But employment is actually even more risky. You know? it, it, why, why I say this now with hindsight, uh, with benefit of hindsight is that that's the single source of income that you only have, you know. That's it, you know. If you think about it, even your house water system, you have a min and standby, <laughs> correct or not? You have a tank, reserve tank that you fill up with water. When your mains run out, then you have this. But in employment, and if you don't have a side hustle, what's it? What, what's your reserve tank? Nothing. Some <laughs> would say EPF. Some would say EPF, but you know EPF, you can't withdraw during unemployment. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously the government gave gave this option out when um, during yeah. COVID, but you know, how long? How long can it last? And, and it, it, it's a pot, it's, it's a fixed pot, it's a static pot, how much you put in. But a lot of people miss the point that, yeah, there should be a recurring cash flow over and above what you have in employment. Uh. And, and I think that's a sad fact that many, many, not just Malaysians, anywhere around the world, people think that employment is, that's a very industrial yeah. way of thinking. And I think that, uh, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, with with, uh, with me coming out from employment, we, we could see that, you know, and, and I, 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 there are a lot of times when um, even MJ's parents have this discussion with me and I said that, you know, today's world is changing. I, I think that's the answer I keep on giving them. Now. And, and, and let me at this point, okay, yeah, yeah. consider this, uh, yeah. okay. Let me ask you a question. Is financial freedom, confidence, whatever you want to use, is it the norm or not? I don't think so. Right. That, that To me, definitely not. Mm. So if what you're doing is the norm, how can you ever hope to achieve some sort of financial freedom? Got it. So the norm, people use the word norm in a positive way. Yeah. That is what everyone's doing. It's safe. But for me, norm is not positive at all. In mm. fact, it is uh, rare. It is a, norm is bad. Yeah. Not normal is, can be very bad. Yeah. Or good. So you can't achieve a super normal super normal results doing the normal thing. No, so you, you can't. Do the normal you can't. And, you can't. And the reason why people do the normal thing is because they think by doing the normal thing is safe. Mm. And yeah. I would argue otherwise. Because if you do the normal thing and in that path, right, any single variable that was not thought through properly can mess your life out inside down. And I was just sharing with, uh, with, with Gabriel and MJ, uh, an episode. I I uh, I highly recommend this channel. It's called DW Documentary. It's the German. It's the virtually like the TVTG or the RTM of Germany, right? And, but they're doing a very very good documentary. It's about how the poor survive in US, and the perception we have is uh, poor people are lazy. You know, they 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 rely on handouts and all this. There was this guy who actually stays in his car in San Diego. He was actually a computer programmer. <laughs> Computer programmer, bro. Okay. <laughs> what happened was um, 
he got a burnout because he was having 60 hour work weeks and all that kind of, he got a pack, uh, he got a burnout. He had some health issues. And then, you know, in Malay, we, we have this phrase, uh, bila jatuh di timpa tangga, which is like, you know, when, when worse on worse. On yeah. Worse on worse. Uh, when it, when it rains, it pours. Right. And because of that, he had to, he became homeless. So, so here, here you go. I, I, I DPT, another example of if you only have a single income and you, you don't derive, you don't have the mindset of having multiple sources of income. And this is what happens. Uh, yeah. You just that one step away. And when I left my cushy employment, everyone got shocked, including my parents, including my uh, former colleagues and all that kind. But ironically, two years after, a lot of guys, a lot of my former close colleagues, they called me up and said, Hey John, I also left. <laughs> John, could you paint a picture um, to the audience on what it, what what that job meant to you back then? <sighs> how how much do you did you have to rely on it uh, for your day to day for your expenses and whatnot? If if I I tell this, I don't think you even believe me. I was living paycheck to paycheck, even but on a high salary. When you, when you left, let's tell everyone how much were you making yeah. a year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so when I left, um, I was paid. Uh, about 600 plus a year. Okay. Not ringgit, right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 600 plus thousand a year, right? I was just telling MJ my, yeah, I'm, I'm saying this not about bragging or anything. I, I'm saying this is because I was so vulnerable when I left and the, 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 I have to unwind like why I felt. But more importantly, what that job meant to me was this. Uh, uh, ironically, it was a stepping stone for me to think bigger. Why I say this? As engineers, most of the time, especially electrical engineers. So I was very lucky. I I I, I was a scholar all the way. I wasn't that smart, but uh, because I was in a local university, so uh, I was offered scholarship, uh, and it didn't cost me too much to to actually finish off my degree and my masters and all that. But if I had followed the normal path of electrical engineer and controls engineer for that matter, I would have ended up working for someone like Intel or Agilin. Now, I was very lucky because during my internship, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was doing my degree and my diploma, I worked for a factory called Comac. Now they're bankrupt, they're bought over by Hitachi and Seagate. But it got me thinking as a six, I think it was 18 or 19, it got me thinking, I said, okay, let's just say I become a staff engineer, senior engineer, I climb all the way. How much would a plant engineer make? 15K. A plant engineer or a plant manager it would have taken him easily 15 to 20 years to get there, 20K. Now, what was, how was he growing in a sense? Who were the people he was dealing? Who was the network? It's just virtually the four walls of the plant. And the machines. And the machines. And I'm like, I, 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 I don't know why I, I had that kind of ability to, to think that way. But as an 18, I was like, oh my God, I will never work in a plant or the factory anymore. I, would, I think I was thank my lucky stars, my dad, Every, uh, even after SPM, I finished my SPM. My dad said, no, 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 you're not staying at home doing crap. Yeah, you know, yeah. you just, just go work. So I worked for the IT industry. I worked for various industries, Bradley. I worked for the water treatment plants. I worked in factories. I worked at m consultancy. <laughs> you name it. Lah. So uh, the funniest incident was uh, I was pulling cables as a 16, 17-year-old and I misstepped. So I actually fell through the roof. <laughs> You know, land cables for the network. I don't know, MG, I told MJ this story. I have, I have never heard of this story. <laughs> yeah, so I was like pulling land cables yeah. and I had to pull across the roof. Ma. So there's trust, you know, the, 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 the roof trust, I should have stepped on it. I missed one step. 
Pum, went down. I landed on the sofa, luckily. Thank goodness. The vice president's room. <laughs> Thank God it was not in the it's room. It's like a movie, right? It only happens <laughs> in movies. So, so all, all these kind of live experiences taught me this thing, you know. Uh, then when I when I, when I I got my uh, an offer to work for Shell, right, a few things why it meant very much to me. One, it set me on a path where I could earn a little bit more than most engineers already. But more importantly also, it gave me a world perspective because I was posted, I was moved around, right? Um, um, and when I saw, when I was in Holland, I was stationed in Holland for about six months. When I saw how Caucasians, for the lack of a better generalization, Caucasians actually looked at their jobs and looked at that. They're very family oriented, you know. So a job is a job. There's a switch one. So by the time they finish their work at five, they're either busy in a farm or either busy with their kids or either busy with something else. But for Asians, right, you notice we are more workaholic. We work, we tend oh, yeah. to work till eight, nine o'clock, right? And and the joke was in Holland, uh, uh, the late shopping, you have late shopping, it closes. Try to guess what time late shopping closes in, in Holland. Take a guess. 12. <laughs> 5 p.m. <laughs> We all here got restaurants just starting up at 5 yeah, p.m. Yeah. So there they close at 4. Late shopping is 5. And if you go to the shop at uh, 4.59, right? No, no service, get out. So I think that actually gave me a perspective of the world, a much better perspective of the world. And um, I was living paycheck to paycheck because... I was very lucky that I had a sense of wanting to do better uh, financially ever since I was young. And every single cent that I had, I, I had this thing called poverty simulation. I think yeah. that's the word that MJ and I would love to use. Poverty simulation in the sense that if I had money, every time that money would be soaked away, I can't, see, I can't even see it. So it's already a self-discipline. I pay myself first. I pay myself by forcing it into property investment, it into uh, unit trust, whatever. So every time I have money, especially when we get bonuses at the end of the year, I have a rule. I can only spend half of it. But even then, I could still afford to bring my family every year for overseas holiday. But it's a rule. The moment it comes in, let's say I get a 40, 50K bonus, right? Maximum 20K I can spend. 20K will be soaked away and I can't see. That's why I have the ability to, to leave that kind of job. Uh, because at that point when I was, uh, uh, when I left employment, um, I had enough money, liquid investments to survive without a job for five years. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. Burn rate was five years, by the way. Yeah, burn rate was five years, and that is so pessimistic planning in the sense that it's zero income coming in, you know. And I think where where we're starting this business, where you know, when I went into partnerships, uh, into business as well, but going through the experience actually taught me to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I don't know whether that makes sense to you, or not. because as an employee, right, you are so used to getting salary. It, it just becomes conscious. You don't even think about it's it. It's a drug as well. It's a drug. It is a drug. And the best freedom I've got was not really the financial freedom. The best freedom I've got was the confidence of being uncomfortable, being comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Because let's be honest, uh, Fyro is not making billions of dollars. Uh. <laughs> At the rate we are charging, right? I think, you know, we, we, we even had some uh, big time investors that said, hey, John, uh, why are you charging so low? Why are you charging this? You should be someone like, you know, a front runner doing this and that, right? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can make tons of money, you know, by doing a lot of all these kind of things. But is that is that in line with your consciousness, with your value sets and all this kind of thing? We were asked to be, you know, like 
some of the we will name names here but some of the <laughs> in the industry is very famous for it like you know but it was really a a a a a conscious decision because the first thing that MJ and I discussed before we started this was what's your burn rate each yeah and by doing that we were very comfortable to know that when we would not make irrational decisions because we were desperate for money See. Yeah. yeah, and we were very, very clear on and, that. And one thing we were very conscious of is that we realized, having been in the investment line, we see many businesses and all that, we realized that a lot of people start a business to make money. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's got to be reversed. You actually need to really have, be somewhat independently wealthy. Spot on, yeah. It doesn't have to be like absolutely iron tight, obviously. But you really somewhat wealthy where you can support yourself then you start a business because business uh is built on decisions and the decisions you make is going to have a huge impact for whatever long-term short-term impacts and when and you want to open up your options when you are making an investment into your business yeah at the beginning especially right yeah. where things are not fixed yeah sounds to me like the the notion of a you know the startup culture where the romantic notion that you got to put everything into this one baby. Oh, no, to make it go no, big. no, no. And I, I know that's a very um, <laughs> differing uh, thought process and how you guys uh, teach me and coach me, right? Yeah. That, hey, I mean, you like a stock, great. Yeah. You research it, you yeah. sound fundamentals. Yeah. You don't freaking put 50% of Correct, it. Correct, exactly. Into it. But I, I, do, I do think that, um, I mean, you're not thanking your Zuckerbergs or your Musk and all that. Yes. That, hey, they went big and they got it. They got there. Yeah. Whereas I suppose survivorship bias. Correct. But wait, wait, wait. But consider that, right? So the example is very good. Let's take four of them. Mark Zuckerberg. Let's take five. Warren Buffett, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg. Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. What's the last guy again? Elon Musk. Yeah. Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. Warren Buffett, the dad was a senator. He was not, he was not. He's not poor. He's not poor. <laughs> he has an IQ of 150. Yeah. Okay. So he wasn't poor. And then he was already introduced to stock broking and stock investing since he was young. Yeah. Bill Gates' father was a lawyer, upper class. They went to good schools. Yeah. And he went to the only school, uh, if memory serves me, the only school who had a computer in yeah. high school. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, the, in the whole of America. In the whole of America. So yeah. it's, it's not by, it's, it's not by. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, who's next? Mark Zuckerberg, Harvard. Okay. Parents, basically parents not, not poor, yeah. right? Already, they already have a backup. Yeah. Uh, who's next? Uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He was already working at DE Shaw. Yes. Uh, earning big bucks already. Yeah. yeah. And he decided to branch out. Yeah. I believe with the support of DE Shaw, which is his uh, his CEO at the time, owner. Yeah. So if he failed Amazon, he could have he just go, go back. back to DE Shaw. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who's last? Who's the last guy amongst? Uh, Elon, Elon, Elon Musk. I don't find Elon Musk. No, Elon Musk. He was. He wasn't very from a very wealthy family. Yeah. But he had a uh, good support because he he's South African, man. So he when he moved over to I think it was Canada that when he studied, right? He wasn't dirt poor, la. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't dirt poor, and also, I don't think he when he developed all this, right? It was based on what I read from his book. It, it wasn't for the first purpose of being rich. Mm. And uh, when he started Tesla. Uh, he already had a net worth of I think hundred over million that he poured yeah, from, so from PayPal, right? Yeah, from PayPal. He was really wealthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so, so that's the key thing, though, to that people don't realize. Yeah, right. All these successful entrepreneurs, 
they can go ham because they already got the risk. And people think that entrepreneurs are risk takers. They're not. They're yeah. risk eliminators yes. because when they eliminate the risk, only good things can happen. Yeah. Grab. People say, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Anthony Tan. Anthony Hello. Tan is the son, is the son of Tan Chong Moto. Yeah. Yeah. The grandson. Grandson, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But it's not sexy if you put it on the Instagram and you say, hey guys, this is how you get yeah. rich, but you can open your eggs in the basket. And but it exists. It exists. But to be fair, it exists. exists right? yes. People like Jack Ma, people yeah. like Richard Branson, it, yeah. it, it does happen. Yeah. But let's be real, right? How likely is it to Correct. happen to Correct. you? I mean, just just recently, we, I, I had um, um, I had a mutual friend and uh, we we were talking about uh, how she wanted to start a business, and the uh, the part where they were describing about the business model, and I said, "Oh, okay. What's your burn rate?" <laughs> I just asked, "What's your burn rate?" Well, I answer you. Right. She was stunned. And the next question, I said, uh, "Okay, have you got a optimistic scenario, a realistic scenario, and pessimistic scenario? Because that's what Shell is famous. We have this P ten, P fifty, P ninety planning." And I think, th thanks to Shell, that, that you know I have got ingrained in this, right? Least probable, most realistic, most optimistic, right? So I just asked this this two question, few questions to her: What's your burn rate? How long can you last? And uh, what's your what what's your possibility of making profit at this scenario, right? Stun. Yeah. And then two two, <laughs> two weeks later, she came back. Yeah. And then you know how many partners you wanted? Nine. <laughs> I say good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, from from what you guys have been are telling me, I realized yeah. that hey, yeah. going small doesn't mean uh, playing it small doesn't mean you get smaller. You get small results, la. Exactly. You guys have, uh, I mean, based on what you guys told me behind the scenes, yeah. Uh, you guys started conservatively. You guys build up slowly, exactly. and then you guys gain traction and momentum from that. Exactly. And I think, and, and myself included, I told MJ about a failed business of mine, yeah. uh, selling fitness equipment. Right. Mm. right. Uh, we started huge. Uh. And it's kind of six figure kind of huge wow. for when I was 26 or 25 years old. So um, it was a costly mistake, but yeah. one that I'm ever thankful for. Because like, yeah. it really made me look at uh, the companies I invest in uh, right now in the stock market or any asset class at all to really play safe, play small. And playing small doesn't mean you win small. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the key thing is that, right? And and this is where uh, after you've, you're able to, uh, to, to think that way and to uh, execute that way, then what you're actually trying to do is to validate your idea. Correct. A, so, and the best way to validate is whether you got customers, right? Yeah. If you got customers, okay, great. Then once you get that, then that's when you start to go ham. That's when you start to pour in more money because okay. now you know when you put in a dollar, you get five back. So even if you put in $5 and even if you get three back, let's say it doesn't go as well, yeah. it's still five, uh, three for five, right? So you 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 now know exactly where your uh where you sit in the risk Correct. element. So uh, that that is actually actually the biggest yeah. reason why, and it also applies to stock investing. You buy a stock, you do research, okay, it's great. Then you add, and then and then you you have the flexibility to take money off Correct. the table anytime you want. And then maybe you make a mistake, yep. and you take it off, and so you, you you do it like that. And that's how we realize that like great entrepreneurs. I think. Robert Kwok has a good example oh, of this. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, so yes. he lost billions, right? Billions, billions in uh, palm oil for in Indonesia, right? Yeah. So on the surface, you look at that, you think, wow, what a disaster. Yeah. But people don't realize that he has a sugar business. Yeah. And the sugar business is giving him money. So then he go and do palm oil. And even if palm oil fails, there's still sugar. Right. right. Backup plans. Yeah, yeah. backup plans. Yeah. And he started sugar, why? 
because he knew the risk was so low because he knew the Japanese people the the Japanese company supplying sugar to Malaysia at that point in time were yeah. charging way higher so when yeah. he just started he just had to do it lower and he's going to acquire more customers straight away that's right that's right so he <laughs> so a lot of these good uh, entrepreneurs all they do is reduce risk uh, it's yeah, totally it's, opposite it's, it's totally, totally opposite. opposite I think um, the struggle for, for that uh, to, to add on is a lot of people just like to read headlines yeah and I think that's something that uh, 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 myself and MJ, we, we keep on seeing even in our coaching clients and in also our, our SIB clients is this. They get a headline and they think that's it, you know. Yeah. And the second level thinking or the second, don't say even thinking, uh, second level digging, right, is never done. People just take, they, they are in a way biased to what they want to see. Yeah. And 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 I think that's the fallacy for even entrepreneurship and also investing. Not just yeah, yeah. Be- because also it's about how entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs see risk. I yeah. come to realize yes, non-entrepreneurs see risk in terms of volatility, meaning yeah. right that the reason something is risky is because there's many ranges of outcome. Yeah, volatility is not a bad or a good term. It just means that there's a range of outcome, right? But a good entrepreneur, A, recognizes that, yeah. and B, removes all the bad outcomes. Only. Yeah. That's it. Or tries his best, or his or her best to remove the outcome. Or either that, learn why the volatilities happen yeah. to position themselves where the opportunities are. Yes. In a sense, because if business is steady state, yeah. and you are a non-incumbent trying to come into the business, right? It is where you are able to spot when things are so volatile and it's so depressed and it's so... And he's, he or she is prepared to take that opportunity of the volatility. Yeah. Because if not, right, if it's steady state, right, I, I, I can tell yeah. you, no no entrepreneur will succeed. <laughs> and if something is steady, it means that the outcome is very singular. Correct. And in that sense, it that is risky to the good entrepreneur. Yeah. Because yeah. the outcome is fixed already. That's right. It's only when the outcome is not fixed, that's when the opportunity for that payoff becomes big. So they just have to remove all the bad possibilities that can bring them to zero. As long as they're not zero, they always have money. So they can keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Then they can, they, they just expose themselves to all the range of possibilities. And eventually, even the guy with the worst luck is going to get something out of it. Yeah, And that's also exactly why we don't advise people to actually start investing in properties. Yeah. Because properties require you to have a big Capital chunk. To begin with. And yeah. you're stuck. So you use the your example of uh, your business, right? Yeah. You, uh, your, your business that, that didn't do so well. Imagine, right, when you go into property, you're, you're doing exactly that. Yeah. Right? You're doing, uh, you're paying so much capital for that kind of uh, thing. But at least with your business, there was a range of outcome. With mm. property, there's only one outcome. So can you imagine putting so much money for a single outcome event or a single very low low frequency outcome event. Yeah. Which this ties me to my next question, right? Yeah. And um, one thing I noticed interesting about two of you guys is you have very unique uh, life choices that pertains to um, how you guys spend money. Mm. Uh, as a 26 year old, yeah, yeah. you never own a car. Yeah. I think that's freaking rare. Yeah. Everyone who wants to get a license, they want to get it. That's why I have a girlfriend away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and John yourself, you're not a fan of uh, property uh, property investment. And yeah. um, I'm just curious, right? Would you say 
try telling someone to tone down their life choices, tone down their lifestyle, is some is a reasonable uh, advice. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the first things I did uh, when I left my second employment and business partnership was actually I I toned down everything. It, it was already very lean, but I toned it down some more, <laughs> right? And I realized simplistic is the best option. And even in investing, being simplistic was the best option. I, I'm not to say I hate properties, but what made me realize, I was a property investor. I used to own four properties, right? Um, most of it made money. I think only the last one, I had to sell it below the S&P price, but the rest, I, I made money on it. What I, I, I didn't like about it was being stuck. And like what MJ earlier mentioned about, if you are young, you're 25 year old, can you imagine owning, you're leveraging 10 times of whatever you can borrow and your exit is not as liquid as what you, you think it is, you know? Can you imagine even the, the, the property that I sold, the first property that I sold after owning it was uh, my, my place in Miri. And it was already buyer already. Even then it took eight months. So if you're if you're if you you're thinking about liquidity, you're thinking about uh, agility, right? You, you're not going to get it in properties. Huh? I think property is for those reaching a point where you use it as a hedge instrument rather than anything else. And a lot of times people say that oh yeah, in stocks you you can't uh, leverage, and in properties you can. Yeah, provided uh, you have you considered the worst possible scenario where that leverage. Is eating up into your cash flow every month. I, 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 um, we interviewed um, one um, one of my friends. Uh, she, she actually shared this advice about going big. She she's paying more than uh, five figures a month <laughs> on a bad on a dirt property. Yeah, that she property non income generating property. Yeah, it's not being rented at all. Yeah, and no, it, the value is dropping. And the value is dropping. If she, even she's to sell, she has to top up the loan. Who has this place? Uh, our uh, uh, we won't reveal that. Uh, uh, she, she didn't reveal that. Yeah, 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 actually, she didn't reveal that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was, it was, it was actually her that got me into properties investing with another friend of ours. Oh, but yeah, but you know, I mean, even for her, with being uh, an expert, uh, I would deem an expert in this field, uh, also uh, shares with people the nuances of property investing. Uh. Yeah, so um, I think something for MJ about not having a car. Yeah, well, well uh, <laughs> so, but I suppose my question is, um, and you guys mentioned that, and I think this is a great advice, right? Yeah. To to achieve, I mean, to get towards, and this is a question that two of my clients ask. Yeah. Um, specifically, the question is, how does a, she, she reveal her age, a 50 year old lady achieve okay. retirement in 55. Okay. Another one, uh, I think it's mid thirties or late thirties. Okay. Uh, how do I sell my company? Flash oh. retirement as well. Okay, okay. And I find the advice of toning down your lifestyle uh, living a more frugal lifestyle oh, yeah. while having while having your finances, your cash flow just grow and compound. Yeah. A really good advice. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's an advice I would give to people or not because I think everyone has a very differing opinion. But how, how would you how would you advise um, someone who wants to retire in five years per se? Oh, okay, two school of thoughts, and I, I'm going to throw a bit of a spanner because it's so interesting. I'm going to forward you an article just just popped out this morning, CNBC. Uh, mm. He's uh, someone who achieved retirement at 34. And he 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 went against a lot of fire. You know what's fire, right? Fi financially independent, retire early, right? He went against a lot of this fire guys' school of thought. It says that, yeah, I'm gonna achieve a retirement in 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 five years. I'm gonna skim. I'm gonna eat ramen every day and whatever, right? 
He said, uh, yeah, you are going to pinch your pennies and then you reach retirement, right? But then you are going to live a lifestyle that is not fulfilling. So he said, no, because most people who go into that penny pinching and all that, they would have a more scarcity mindset. Because you're, you're pinching pennies, ma. And what you do, what, what, what happens to that? I mean, this is adding on to what I've got my, from my opinion about this is that you're, gonna, you're not going to have any friends. <laughs> Can you imagine you go out with your friends, right? It says uh, the meal, right? Usually for simplicity's sake, you just take the whole bill and then you just divide, right? Hey, no, I only ate this, this, this. You know, I only got to pay. <laughs> I didn't eat the tofu, guys. I didn't eat the tofu. tofu. <laughs> Imagine going out with friends like that. Or oh, trust me, Bradley, I have. Uh, oh, yeah, I saw have friends like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, the pizza. Make it more interesting. It's a pizza. I need two slices, bro. <laughs> Everyone else eat four. So what does what does it do to the relationship? Secondly, let's just say you do achieve, you retire in five years, right? You, you achieve that financial independence. What's more to life? What's your purpose? Right? In a way, right? I was just I was just sharing with my wife. I live as if I'm like a retiree, you know. I meet more grandparents while picking up my kids than the parents who are busy shuttling to office and all that. But I'm, I, I find myself fulfilled because what, what we're doing with Fyral is what I, I feel at this point is my life of Okela. And I, I, I question those people who want to give the advice that you want to retire early, whatever. Yeah, then do what? I think that's the more important question. It's a very underrated question, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah then do what? So you're going to play golf every day. You're going to still eat your ramen and Maggi Mee every day just to make sure you are financially independent. I think there's a lot of, pardon me, bollocks. Huh? <laughs> What's your purpose? That that retirement purpose and that, I think that's more meaningful rather than just, just the financial aspect of things. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, you mean like uh, about the idea about toning down? Yeah, and I think I think you do it quite well. Um, I suppose uh, we are roughly around the same age. And yeah. I think around us is where this is the age where people are buying houses, buying yeah. cars, splurging, partying. The norm. A bit harder this year, I suppose, with the pandemic. But um, okay, revenge. How did you? How, how did you yourself? Um, I suppose avoid the temptations and the noise, and still, I suppose, use your own financial goal as a north star and keep chasing yeah. that. So, so uh, I thought hard about this. Uh, but basically, the question is, you know, how do you save money, right? If you boil it down, I thought about it, and you know, if you go on, line, you research what you see. You just see, oh, you need a budget. You need to allocate properly. You need to do things like that, right? Pay yourself first, which are all true. But they, I've come to realize the the way I approach is okay. Why instead of saying why people cannot save money, I would say that why do people spend money? on things that they don't need. That is the big question. Yeah. So these will be things like alcohol, an expensive wedding, a car that they don't need, definitely. A house that they can't. A house they can't. Yeah, uh, yeah. Vacations that they, they, they YOLO, man, you either, never heard me? Yeah, 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 why YOLO? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's my question, why YOLO, right? And common are all these threats, right? Yeah. Is actually, right, the group of people that they are around with Mm. Very true. Think about wedding, right? Who? Why would anyone spend a hundred grand on a wedding? There's only one reason: is to impress the people coming. Same with a car, same with a house, and all that, right? Like, even if you have five kids, why do you need like a mansion or or a bungalow? You can technically do it through a terrace house, right? Yeah. Or a bigger condo. condo. Yeah, you can do it. 
So what I've come to realize is that the you only need that, that if you Google that there, there are a lot of hacks to save money. Actually, the only hack I would say is that to pick the right uh, friends to be around with. Because, you know, when I was a lot younger, I always believed that it's about the internal will of the individual to be able to withstand uh, temptations and all that. Yeah. But what I've come to realize is that, quite frankly, even the purest of person or the most disciplined person, if he is mixing and associating himself with people who do not have the kind of habits yeah. that will propel him to financial whatever independence, then it doesn't matter how disciplined you are, you will fall into the trap. You yeah. will become part of them. Correct. That's why even Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, if he starts mixing with a bunch of beer drinking, uh, you know, uh, fried stuff eating friends, he will be like that as well. That's right. And that's why if you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, he look he he everything he does, right, is to create that environment where he will be in tip top shape. And even today, 36, 36 37, oh, yeah. he's, he's running like he's twenty five. Yeah. Right now, of course, that's an extreme example, but the point I'm trying to make is that the people around you is exactly that. So influential. I mean, yes. look at Diego Maradona. Yeah, you see what happened to him, right? Yeah. So, so sad. Eh? So to drill down a little bit more, right? That is basically a reason, like alcohol, for example. The reason is because you want to hang out with friends who are alcoholic. And even deeper than that is that you feel like you cannot gain some form of happiness with, with alcohol. So the second point would be not not just disassociating yourself from friends who are like that, but also finding something, finding inexpensive habits or passions. Yeah. So we are fortunate in that investing is, uh, if we were doing something else, it would still be a hobby to us. Yeah. It's very inexpensive. It's just buying books and reading and reports. Yeah. And once you approach it from that angle, picking the right people and finding inexpensive uh, habits, right? You don't need to budget. You don't need to think about spreadsheets. Yeah. You will suddenly realize there's money in your bank account. You know why? Because you're spending most of your time doing what you like for free yeah. instead of doing what you like for money, like alcohol, vacations, nice cars, weddings, all that. Can I add another tip to that? Uh? Um, remember that earlier part I said about poverty simulation, right? I was, uh, a lot of my colleagues, even some of my old classmates, uh, uh, they, they love going out drinking. And uh, during my time, can you imagine, 1995, 90, no, 97, 98, right? Uh, I don't know how much is a bottle of Jack Daniels. I hardly go to the bar nowadays. Jack Daniels, Black Label. I think easily 400 bucks. 400, okay. Yeah. Uh, that time was about 180, 190 uh, during my time, right? And I was uh, earning as an intern, 350 ringgit. Okay, I go one time. Okay, there goes my whole week of lunch. <laughs> so straight away, I'm like, I'm not coming again. You know, so straight away, you already have that kind of, uh, for me, it was that kind of discipline. That you, you, you can't afford it. I'm sorry. You just can't afford it, right? And you next time you politely just decline. Uh, not, not that you want to be arrogant. You don't want to be friends. Then I hang out badminton. Uh. That time was, okay. Badminton today, correction, uh, badminton is quite expensive sport. Uh, but last time we used to play with, you know, cheaper shuttles, you know, fine. Open fine, air. Open air, you know. Spot on to what MJ said. Uh, just just put in things that can help you. Uh, mixing with the right amount of friends, um, you know, poverty simulation. I feel poverty simulation is really underrated. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
don't go until you know there's a guy uh that that we know we're gonna interview him on the podcast soon, yeah. soon okay so you think like one egg a day or something yeah like he that. has <laughs> <laughs> 50 ringgit for the whole month i think makan budget yeah i, I don't know how it does it make sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say in another life you guys could be zen monks uh, teaching all this uh, minimalist <laughs> habits but your friend easily tops that la. yeah no but you see i think we're different from monks in the sense that the monk uh the monk tries to extinguish desire but we have desires yeah. like, i just want to say it out yeah, there. Yeah. so practical uh, practical like, yeah, yeah i think yeah, the yeah. keyword is practical like, it's a balance like, I'm, I'm not gonna you know when i saw that i was like no 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 no. I, i'm not gonna do that because you know what happens you suppress all this like what you said suppress the desire and then it, it may manifest in different forms yeah what i'm saying is a balance and be be realistic about it but yeah i think it sounds sounds to me that um in your example, you were earning 350 and the bottle was 180. Yeah. Boom, that was a huge shock. Oh, of course. Whereas <laughs> I suppose someone, let's say a fresh grad making 3K now, hey, okay. suppose 180 or 200 is not that bad. Yeah. But if your if your desire slowly grows or at a faster rate than what you make, then I suppose that equals to trouble like when the money does intersect. Yes. You're making way lesser than what you're actually spending. Yeah. And that spells trouble. Th that's why that, that mixture of colleagues and friends, because I, I, I feel humans we are social creatures we crave for acceptance and what i find <laughs> sad but true is that usually people who do well financially are a little bit different they either are willing to stand up for their own belief system willing to not be uh, gradually uh, no, uh, um, um, accepted they don't gain for acceptance because you are really going against the wind yeah. and i think that's where a lot of people struggle because they always want to gain acceptance. They always want to gain you know, popularity, whatever, right? Uh, those guys, even uh, Sean, you know, uh, Ai Hung. Yeah. If, if, you, if you listen to him talk to, I mean, we, we, we know him as friends. He was willing to go against the noise. And I think that's the, the struggle that you have to, mm. where we want to build in a way in Fyril is actually to build that community so you pick your friends from there. Stand. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's where that's where you find like many people. Hey, I'm not asking you to go on two ringgit lunches. I know it's impractical, but at least have the mindset that you will be able to enjoy yourself, but with something more realistic. Yeah, yeah. I I, I keep on telling even my cousins, you know, there was one time my, my aunt came over for my cousin's graduation and my cousin, my, my aunt was asking me to give advice to my cousin and you know he was like he likes to spend la. i said i said I, I can buy three this is exactly what i said i can buy three bmw 5 series in cash no problem but why did i buy my my car because <laughs> i yeah. said it's moving from it you know for me I, I, you know what what pains me more if i have if i have a, a, a my dream car which is a volvo xc60 right i said my goodness i go workshop one time is four figure already for me it's painful la. <laughs> for me it's painful yeah, the, the, that's like the enjoyment over that pain is more more than enough to put me off buying it until I really really can afford it. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. yeah and I think uh, slightly different uh, to uh, what we've been discussing about, um, like lowering your lifestyle and all that. Yeah. Uh, the flip side is that when people understand that they want to lower their lifestyle, they're afraid to spend money. Yeah, and just know that everything now now here's where you can introduce <clears throat> numbers because the guy is probably disciplined. And there's nothing wrong with buying a Porsche. There's just a problem when you buy it when you're earning 5,000. Yeah. There is no problem when you're earning 50,000. Yeah. So it's all about proportion. Yeah. So that's why when you look, like some a lot of 
a lot of people, especially in the camp of lowering their lifestyle, living below their means, that kind of camp, yeah. the fire camp, they look at people with Porsches and all these expensive cars with <clears throat> um, disdain. Like, why would anyone want to buy a chunk of metal for that much? Yeah. And in a way, their reaction somewhat makes sense because most people who buy those cars can't afford it. Yeah. But there are people who, who can't afford it yeah. many, many times over. And if you are in that position, it's cool, man. Like, yeah, it's cool. I, I would want to. Yeah. yeah, if I'm earning, you know, six figures a month, I, I will... <laughs> I will get a driver and then I will get a Lamborghini. I will do that. <laughs> so it sounds to me that, hey, I mean, my, my main takeaway from this sharing of yours is that, hey, you can have your desires, but let it be proportional with what you have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. But this ties into this next question that I get from some of my younger clients, right? And I think myself, yourself and MJ, um, we are in industries where it's a little bit less um, structured mm. compared to say your banks or your uh, big force auditing or any office jobs, right? Yeah. Where I was driving here today at nine and I'm on the highway, I'm jamming. Okay. And this is just once in a long time because otherwise I usually work near my place. Okay. I don't have to go through this. Okay. Imagine waking up at 8.30, driving all the way to your office. You reach there about 9.45 and you're late or you get penalized for that. Yeah. And then you hang out with people who also do the same thing. <laughs> and the negative energy just encompasses. Oh, you. yes. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's hard for me to imagine that because, again, this is just a one day experience for me. But yeah. for someone like that who wants to get out of, um, who wants to get out of that environment. Um, environment, and I want to start investing because a lot of them are asking me questions in relation to investing. Mm. Uh, a totally newbie investor. Mm. Um, and I suppose. I suppose this is um I suppose they are complaining the fact that hey their day is so damn long. Mm. They finish work six something, they drive home seven, eight something. Mm. The day restarts again in less than eight hours. Mm. Um where would one where how would you say they should start Okay, I, I'm going to go to the extreme end a little bit, la, but mm. then I'll tone towards practicality la, uh, more more and more after that. Are you willing to take two steps, take one step backward in order for you to take two steps forward? What do I mean by this? We already discussed this earlier about being minimalist. Most of them, they say they are stuck and they don't have an option because they have to work long hours, whatever. This one common friend we have, um, Ching Yu, he survived, I think, four days or four weeks in an audit firm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> quite long, man. Yeah, quite long. Not bad, not bad. For those of you who are listening and you work in an in an audit line, I I I completely comprehend, you know, because uh, it's long hours and and all that, and they say they don't have a choice. You have a choice. It's just that you are not conscious of whether you are willing to take a step back, because you know what they want. They they want everything. They want that kind of pay, but then they're not willing to take a hit to change. So, Ching Yu, uh, credit to him, he was willing to to go outside and to be uncomfortable and to take a pay cut. That's what I, literally what I did. I mean, those guys in who were still working for oil and gas and they were very bitter about being let go, whatever. In, in a way, they felt they did not have a choice, but they actually did. So it's really about willingness to take a step back. Yeah. Meaning rather than, I, I still want my 50K a month pay cut and yet I want this kind of freedom. I want more time. Uh, sorry, uh, it's not going to happen. You must be willing to take that, that hit, uh, that, that punch in the gut. Uh. I think for those guys who are going through this, I, I fully, I was working 16 hour days, but I was very lucky. I was paid well enough to take that 16 hour days. Take a step back. 
go venture out into things that, yeah, you may take a pay cut, but then you may find yourself having a little bit more time. And that's where you invest that time into either getting a skill, uh, uh, working for something else that broadens your horizon. Or, you know, one of the biggest struggles that I had when I was so busy was not even managing my own money. You, you'll, be, you'll be surprised, huh? you see all these guys that earn 30, 40, 50,000 a month. You know why they are, you know, they, they would, people would question them, you earn so much, how come, you know, after 5, 10, 20 years, you don't have any money? It's because they didn't spend time to manage their garden. They have a garden, but it's, it's weeding. <laughs> it's just pouring the fertilizer and the soil, but it's just sitting it's, there. It's, it's just weeding. And, and these guys, they said that, yeah, I work long hours, whatever. I'm very sure if you have the will, you will find a way. You must, but you must be willing to take that hit first. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it doesn't sound music to the ears, you know. Oh, I, ideally I can transition into, nah. Wisdom is always harsh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, oh, bro, the, the, the first six months that I, I, I left employment with that 600,000, uh, I have never been late on my credit card. Never in my entire life, right? There was a moment where I had to pay my staff salary first when I was still in insurance. I didn't make the date because I was moving money around. Ma. I didn't make the date to pay my credit card and I got charged 15 bucks. I, I called and argued that my way to get my 15 bucks back. But that was a reality. I was really, it, it, it's, it's something that I've grown to be comfortable with right now, being uncomfortable in that. You must be willing to take the hit. Yeah. I hope it makes sense. Uh. And consider this, right? Going back to our discussion, here's how I would, I would uh, explain it to someone who is in employment, who is facing this, right? The more certain your salary, right? The more you have to give up. Oh, and yeah. the danger is you actually don't know what you're giving up. Mm. So for example, like the example you use, right? Because you have a fixed salary, especially at a bank, and you're mixing people with a lot of negative energy, you don't know what that those days or months will do to you. Yeah. Okay, because when those days and months turn into years, then you become not just have or be immersed in negative energy, you become a negative person mm. because of that certainty of salary. Yes. Well, that's quite sad, right? Yeah, just it, thinking it about it. You, you know, one of the, <laughs> see, he mentioned this, right? I was still in Miri at that point, 2011. I spoke with one of the, he was a senior finance manager for a project. And he asked me, why are you rushing off for? Oh, I, 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 I'm meeting a friend to discuss about my investments. I said, hey, wow, good. Huh? How old are you? Huh? How many years? Well, we share already. Huh? I think it was my second or third year into, into the company. And, and, and he was like, you know, look at us. I've been in a company, well paid. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to 55, right? And yet, you know, you guys, you guys are already starting your journey so early. Because... They get comfortable. These are negative, right? There's still some uh, 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 compelling reason for you to start thinking about this. But can you imagine if you're comfortable? Mm. Lagi lah, you know, you're just like, oh, flock comfort, you know, there's nothing to worry about. And then suddenly you wake up at 55, right? You realize you don't have an option. That's even worse, actually. <laughs> wake up call, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I just want to say that... Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a personal struggle on mine as well. Uh, as a as a freelancer who doesn't have a, a and I got this wake up call when I quit a stable job uh, mm. to join freelance to to a, a month where I can make a lot of money. Yeah. To another month where um practically I'm not making any money. Barren. So, 
I, I felt like if I was stuck in a full-time employment, I wouldn't have been exposed to the harsh reality of the fact that, hey, um, what am I going to do if, uh, as a PT, like what if my limbs actually get weaker, I'm hospitalized, so I can't physically be present yeah. to work. Mm. So so that's where uh, this thing really hit me. And I just want to mention also to, to anyone who finds that, hey, maybe learning about investing is expensive, right? I think you guys offer a very comprehensive, one of the most comprehensive courses. Mm, thank you. Uh, that you can just play at your own time. Yeah. And it's $99. <laughs> Ring, dollars are not ringgit. Convert is about 400 bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So consider that option. Yeah. Free plug yeah. for you guys. Right? Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's actually 169 US oh, dollars. 99 sorry, was sorry, the sorry. early bird. Yeah, you got it. Early, I got the early bird. Yeah. 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 The promo code like five bucks off or something. Yeah. Like you share yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. The next question I want to ask, right, is um, I suppose it's more more Chinese than just Asian. Okay. There's this uh, there's this theory that, hey, um, wealth doesn't last three generations. Oh. <laughs> and the reason why this is something I've been thinking about is because I feel like, um, I personally, and I feel I'm in a comfortable financial position. Mm. And I think my girlfriend's in a financially comfortable position as well. Okay. And when we get married, the whole idea of building wealth is for the next generation. Mm. And when that happens, right, I think I would like my child to have a better life. Mm. What does that better life do to them? Because we've seen examples of, hey, giving the next generation too great, great things too much, um, they squander it. And then the cycle returns. That generation becomes poor and then after that, the whole thing begins again. What's your thought process on this? Okay, MJ, we'd like to start, especially your family. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> so I, I think, um, I think the objective to is uh, the problem. Okay, so the problem with uh, a lot of Chinese people is that if you trace back far enough, you know that you have relatives or grand relatives who experience tremendous suffering and pain. Mm. So my grandma, for example, she uh, came from the Japanese occupation. She had to lie about her gender, shave her head, things like that to prevent uh, either getting raped by Japanese people or had to marry early. She remarried my grandfather when she was 16. My grandfather was already 30. So they had already been through a lot of hardships and that's just my example. You can listen to many, many more. I'm sure if you dig into your past and your past, something similar will pop up, right? So the problem is that a lot of these people who have been through that sort of volatility and that kind of life and negative experiences, they don't want the previous generation to face the same thing. And so they will try to give them what they didn't have. Mm. The problem is they don't give them what they did have, which is the ability to deal with volatility, the ability to deal with it. Yeah. So the only thing I would say is that if you're thinking about the next generation is this, uh, try not to think of uh, giving your kids a comfortable life or happy life, but a good life. Mm. Uh, one where they have a story, one where there is struggle because struggle, like if struggle is lacking in a kid's or person's life, uh, it will not be fun, uh, ironically. And in fact, they will start finding their own struggles. And you want to be there to make sure, as I, I would assume as a parent, that they are managing that 
that you help them manage their struggles somewhat. Not remove it, but it's there. Mm. Because if kids are going out to find their own struggles at a young age, that is very dangerous. Yeah. Right? So that is something uh, I would say, like focus on having a good life, I would say it's the way, not a comfortable life. Mm. And they're not the same thing. Correct. I think uh, back to poverty simulation. Yeah. Because... Um, I don't know whether I've told you this before or not, Bradley. I, I went up to my dad and I said, thank you for being poor. And I didn't mean it in a condescending manner. I said that if I had been given uh, all the options uh, that were available to my friends, I don't think I would have been that hungry. And I think n not, not to be too extreme where you don't give your kids everything. Give them the education they need. Give them the... It's more about not giving them everything. I, I think th thinking of it this way, like I I I I splurge on my daughter. I mean that there are things where, but I every 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 opportunity I have, I teach her the value of money. So there was one time this this joke. We went to a friend's daughter's birthday party, and uh, there was somehow a discussion to buy four D. <laughs> And my daughter was only four. I took out 20 bucks and said, okay, that's the pool. Everyone was putting hundreds. No, daddy, there's a lot of money. <laughs> 20 bucks, right? So I think I think that 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 habit, people, especially in the Asian culture, I feel taboo. Uh, a lot of people find finance, discussing about finance, very taboo. I, 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 I take her as an adult. So I, I, I give her choices. I said like every time she wants to um, buy ice cream or anything, I give her a comparison. So like she likes Magnum. I said, okay, if you buy this Magnum, uh, if you, between Magnum or Disneyland, how many, how many, so delayed gratification, I'll, I'll, I'll tell her because we were, I was bringing her to Japan, Disneyland for the second time. So I'll tell her, I said, if you, if you buy this, you're reducing by how many counts your chance of going to Disneyland. And I think one, one habit also, I think uh, it's prudent for parents to do is actually do a top up. In a sense that because they want to, they want their kids to, uh, uh, let's say, purchase something, right? But it's too far, so it's a matching contribution. I think that gets them to think, lah. Oh, okay. Yeah, matching yeah. contribution. So it's like if ETF you want for kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. And matching contribution. <laughs> even even uh, one of my friends, what he does is he asks the kids to actually justify why you need it. Come up with a budget plan, and you'll be surprised. Uh, a lot of times we think kids are naive. They're actually not. If you if you if you take and respect them like adults, right? And you get them to think like adults, you know? Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to introduce Bitcoin to my kids already. Like she's, my, my daughter's 12. So okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's of interesting. Yeah, it's of age already. And um, yeah, I, I think a great example of who does this well in a billionaire status is actually Bill Gates' family. You know, Bill Gates actually washed the dishes at home. He does the dishes, right? They, they can afford everything. Uh, and, 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 and at the same time, doesn't necessarily mean that once you already curse, be, being rich, that you surround yourself with these kind of people. It's about what the values that you inculcate at home. It's always, it's always, it starts from the home. Lah. Yeah, yeah. You give them examples, push them to think a little bit. And yeah, I, th I think, I think that, that will work out lah. rather than, yeah, I know it's the curse of the three generations, but it's actually the nuance again, Bradley. In, in the family, how did that value sets were inculcated? Lah? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that detailed answer, man. Most welcome. Well, I think just one question on investing in general. Okay. Well, not so general, maybe more specific. Uh, is the thought process that investing is always changing. 
Um, things are always changing. There's so many different informations coming. I mean, you alluded to this on uh, to sift through the noise and really focus on what really matters. Um, but where do you think, if you were to make a guess, right? Where do you mm. think things are heading? Or maybe a more specific question this was asked is, what would you say is currently underloved in this <laughs> oh, global okay. market mm. right now? Hmm. Well, is this even the right question to ask though? No, I'm trying say. to frame it in such a way that we don't go very long-winded in this, but at the same time, give give some sort of uh, framework for them to, to start. Lah. I think you can never go wrong with basic consumer things. Lah. You can never go wrong. And most of the time it is underloved or overlooked because it's too basic. It's too simple. Uh, obviously, I'm a tech fan, as you guys know, uh, but tech is not a mode. And I think it, it requires more work to be able to sift the wheat from the shaft. Uh, but I think basic, basic consumer products or whatever, those that run businesses that are very prudent in managing their finances is something that is always in favor. I don't know. MJ, any of your thoughts? On, on the love areas for investing, I mean, I would say even to a certain extent, cryptocurrencies, right, is under love. I know there's a lot of hype, but compared to where it can go, I think, I, I would say that, uh, I, would, I would change it from underloved to understudy. Ah. Yeah. Under, under, uh, not well understood. Lah. Yeah, I think uh, if, uh, I don't know the questioner's background or anything, but let's say if you're a young person, I would say, learn about the cryptocurrency markets and as well as the stock market because you need to know, because they are going to be linked in the future. Very and linked. It's, 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 you're, whether you believe in cryptocurrencies or whether you want to invest in it, it's up to you. But what I don't think is up to you if you are someone who wants to uh, do well is to ignore learning about cryptocurrencies. Mm. So you should spend some time there, especially, and, and of course with equity markets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not a buy-sell recommendation, everyone. Nope. No, we didn't even yeah. say something specific. Okay, so. <laughs> well, um, I, w- I do want to end with a few rapid-fire questions. Yeah, sure. Very basic, very simple ones. It doesn't have to be a rapid-fire answer, of course. You can okay. say, take your time with sure, it. Sure. Yeah. But when you guys think of the, when, when the word successful comes to mind, who do you guys think of? Hmm. I got so many role models and mental models. Uh, 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 yeah, role models that, um, I think be, for me, the biggest was Bill Gates. Uh. I know he was at one point the richest man on earth, but not so much because of his wealth, but because of what he's doing with his wealth. So as a businessman and as an entrep- entrepreneur and even in philanthropy, right? The, re- the reason why I admire him is really, even in philanthropy, he wants to get a bang for his buck. And let me explain. <laughs> He said, rather than you, if you have a hundred thousand ringgit and you donate it to a charitable cause, let's say a cancer, right? How many patients can you help? You can't even help one because likely, the likelihood of the cost of treatment is going to exceed a hundred thousand, right? For one. What he's trying to do with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is he's trying to find a hundred thousand solution to solve malaria or something for one million people. And I'm like just blown away the way he thinks to that scale in the sense that even in philanthropy, he wants to run it like a very optimized or very high yielding enterprise. I, I think that's where success means to me because, you know, if you watch the series of uh, Inside Bill Gates' Mind, right? I was blown away because 
what I used to do when I was in Shell was designing safety and control systems for offshore platforms. And we use very uh, advanced tools. What was shocking to me was that the nuclear reactors uh, in Bill Gates' mind is, is the most efficient way to generate energy, but they were designed with 1970 tools. <laughs> so that's why you, a lot of these design uh, incidences, uh, accidents that happen, people just blame me. Oh, surface knowledge. I don't have anything to do with nuclear. But he's thinking of that. He's thinking about toilets of all things. <laughs> how to make sanitation, uh, how to reinvent the toilet system and all that. I, I think that's where I really admire him for his his zeal in trying to solve problems with the most efficient enterprise manner. Yeah. For me, he's a, a Lee Kuan Yew, I would say. I think he's, uh, he, what he has achieved is, will go down in history. Mm. One of the best, probably the best in some sense, nation builder. Mm. Uh, person who had a very wide understanding of many different things and how they worked with each other. Um, someone who could think in the abstract, but also was very uh, practical in his solutions, suggestions. Yeah, I would say that would be the, that would be the person when it comes to mind, when it comes to success. Yeah, okay. If you guys could, um, I suppose, pass, give one book to any one who wants to succeed or be good at investing, what mm. one book would that be? Mm. Still my favorite, uh, Peter Lynch, One Up on Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say that also. Same book. Same book, but uh, if you want something a bit different, you can go for Philip Fisher's uh, Uncommon Stock and Common Profits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Common Stocks and Uncommon, uncommon Profits. profits. Yeah. yeah. How much money do you need to be happy? <laughs> mm. Why I laugh was, uh, for me, 3K is more than enough a month. <laughs> it's a passive 3K a month. Yeah, yeah, but once you have family with yeah. kids, you know, your expectation changes, your responsibility changes. Uh, but I would say this, uh, to each his own, because it really boils down to what you want to have in life. Because uh, for some, uh, not even having a car and taking Grab every day is, is fine. For some, probably driving a, a Japanese-made car is fine. But for some, then, you know, you, you want to strive for something better in life. You want you want a continental car. I, I think it really is to each his own. And the advice I would give is rather than working out a figure, you figure out what you can live without first. You start with the minimalist, then you move outwards because everyone's nuances is very different. I realized that what is practical and rational to me cannot be practical and rational to someone else. I've, I've learned to, you know, in, I wish I, I would have told this myself younger, but more and more as I, I come to a point is I don't try to dispense textbook advice these days. It's like, uh, you find this framework, you pandai pandai lah, because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say 10K is enough, 5K is enough. Hey, hello, the guy may have certain nuances uh, in his life that you don't even know. And here we are giving framework advice. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose I'm just, the reason for the question is I'm interested to know, hey, as um, financial teachers mm. and, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word guru. No, no, right? please, please, please. <laughs> please Although it's the educator. same thing, man. Guru is the Malaysian translation of teacher, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to, I just, I'm just curious uh, to know your thought process behind the numbers. Uh, uh, because there's always research done on the fact that, hey, I mean, beyond 70K, is it US dollars? Happy, money, more money doesn't give you a, 
uh, ah, linear return. Alluding towards that, yeah. yeah. I I think I think it really for for me as a Malaysian, if you exceed passive income of 50k a month, I think yeah. you really made it lah. To be honest lah, unless your lifestyle includes uh, having to service a, a jet. A, a yard, a yard, you know that kind of thing. But yeah, I I've seen people. I, I don't know whether you've seen this on Facebook, uh, Bradley. This this guy, uh, Grab car driver, drives a Lexus, by the way. Okay, he makes about seven k a month, and they can still go on overseas holiday every year, and he's really happy. Seven k a month, and the the guy who wrote that Facebook post actually asked him. He said, "But how can you afford this? This, you know, driving?" So he says, "It's all about choices." The guy he he made he he made the comment. He said, "It's all about choices." So I choose this and this as something that I enjoy, which is the car and the holiday, and then the rest I just budget for it. Yeah, this is that that is that simple, uh, And um, yeah, uh, it, it, to each his own. I think more than fifty is more than enough, lah. Uh, yeah, I think for me it's uh, just uh, you know when I walk into a restaurant, I don't really you know, care about the price. Oh yeah, or maybe wherever I want to travel, I don't really need to like think twice. Budget, uh. yeah, yeah, that yeah. that would. Pretty much it, you know. Hey, but the way you travel also it dif- makes a difference. Uh, whether you're flying private or flying commercial, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh well, okay. Let's let's let let let's use commercial, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Where you know that that will be fine already. Yeah. Me. That's considering you don't walk into Nobu every single day, like, so, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, this is well, this is not so much a rapid fire question. Like, I kind of missed it, but I think it's very important because yeah. something I uh, myself struggle with, and I see a lot of people my age uh, struggle with as yeah. well. Yeah. So. I mean, we are all members of WhatsApp groups, Telegram groups. Oh, yeah. And this is not so much about getting stock tips and whatnot, but we are in a country where there's a lot of drama. Mm. There's a lot of things happening. And every day or every other day, there's something to complain about. Like, yeah. anyway. um, but I think one thing that makes one a better investor or a good investor is the fact that they can maintain impartial. I think if you can sift through the noise, you can hey separate facts from fiction. Yeah. Put your take your emotions out of it. You'll be a much better investor. Fully agree. How to what extent can you do this? In my opinion, uh, do you think because if you see evil in a way and you don't act on it, mm. um, this is something I, I struggle with because everyone says, hey, hey, I tell people that hey, don't think about it too much. Focus on what you can do mm. and. I feel like that passivity is great as an investor. Okay. But how much do I, am I able to give back to improving the situation? I understand. So uh, if I were to rephrase the, or try, try to understand your question better in the sense that if you see people being scammed in a way and or, or there is... Uh, injustice. People, in, injustice. Uh, in politics. Uh, I, I suppose, yeah. I suppose a more practical or a more concrete way to ask this is like, People are always very disappointed with our country. Yeah. There's always yeah. sharing articles about this yeah. shit happening and that happening. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think one way that I learned to deal with it, and I'm not sure whether it's a healthy way or not, is the fact that, hey, uh, I don't let it affect me. I'm going to focus on what I'm going to focus on. Largely is being smart with my money, getting better, getting ahead in life. Yeah. And then whatever things happen at the side, let it happen. No, no, I, I, uh, you are spot on. And I think, can I can I offer it from a slightly different angle, but it's actually to add more clout to what you just said, right? Mm. At a point where, and let's be really practical, uh, when you're worth 5 million or less, right? What can you offer to the table to change this injustice or to to to, to make a difference? You have nothing in a way. You It's just self-sustainable. But if you go back to the point about what you said about f- 
forget about the noise, make sure you are smarter with your money and you get, you will get to a point where let's say if your net worth reaches 20, 30 million, right? Then you can do something meaningful with your money or your time because you're not just worried about yourself. That's where you really fight your injustice rather than worry about, you know, trying to refute yeah. these people or this kind of things because that's where practicality, rubber hits the road. Lah. And uh, for people, I, I used to, or I used to be a very idealist, uh, Bradley. The moment someone says, no, 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 you haven't checked this. Then I realized it's, it's a waste of time <laughs> sometimes because they are so biased in their thoughts already. Uh, and I, 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 I try to focus on exactly what you just said. Lah. Just focus on myself because I know I can only serve people when I self-rely on myself and then I have the capabilities and means to be able to do that from a practical perspective, which is when you have either political clout, uh, money, resources, and you are able, like this guy called Ustas Abit Liu. Abit Liu, oh, my man. hero. Man. Yeah, I, I, I really salute him. I mean, yeah, people condemn, oh, he's Chinese, he's convert. Yeah, I, I don't care about what is that. I'm impartial to that. What is he doing? Don't go and don't go. People who are condemning him for me, are insecure themselves, uh, regardless of race, uh, which side, uh, which side of the fence you are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, uh, you want to make a dent, uh, you can always, uh, you, you can always join politics. Yeah. Although I don't recommend doing that if you are wealthy, <laughs> yeah. if you're not wealthy, or if you really have the guts, right? You want to make a change on that, start a YouTube channel and start doing political commentary. Oh yeah. And it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's an interesting space now as a business because it's very empty. I don't see a lot of political commentary. They don't want to be goodness or smart, bro. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. but that is a risk, right? Because yeah. you want to make a change. So you got to take the risk that these things can happen. Yeah. And so you have to plan out like, okay, how do you reduce the impact of this sort of risk happening before you start? Yeah. yeah. So then doing all these things will get you to realize, hey, actually change is like quite difficult. Yeah. Right, hey, it's not just a Facebook post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's not, oh, you think you're forwarding WhatsApp, you think that's going to change? That's yeah. not. Oh, yeah, about forwarding WhatsApp. I, I get, ironically, I get very annoyed by that. What's People, the point? Yeah. So, yeah, just 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 start. Then you think you write. Then when, and then I think, oh, yeah, but 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 I write and I do content. Yeah, but who do you sell it to? Yeah. You sell it to people who already agree with you. Yeah, yeah. You, why don't you write? And you create a website, you know, let's say if you are <clears throat> Chinese and you think, I don't know. Uh, Chinese school well, system. What's, what's right? the, 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 uh, let's say you think DAP, right? Yeah. I think you create a website called DAP for Kelantanese. Why <laughs> Kelantanese people should become DAP? And then you write out a report there and you talk to the people on the opposite side. Yeah. Not to your own same one. Yeah, or, yeah because they, they, yeah, I agree. Then it's, yeah, so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you, yeah, you're just... And that has always been self-perpetuating. Uh. Yeah, like all these people are saying, well, you know, people on the countryside don't know any better, you know, then they're like screwing up the votes. Okay, la, so what have you done to go there and educate the, the, the people? You mentioned this, right? What have you done? Nothing. Last time I used to be, wow, you guys shouldn't vote for, you know, this. Then I thought, between the choice of having pipe water and a vote, do you think he, the guy who wants pipe water will choose the idealistic state? No way. No, no, yeah. no, no way. You, you, if you're not offering a practical solution to this, the, 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 for me, it's just, just, I, I yeah. just, yeah. I, and also, I don't want to argue with this kind of people. Yeah. Uh. And so yeah. when you realize all the more resources and things you need to do, yeah. then you have two options. So either you do what we do, which is, I can't really change anything. I can only 
uh, fix my life. And I go back to Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson. He said exactly that. This is a lady. There's a famous clip online. You say that, oh, you know, what's the point of uh, like fixing your life and focusing on yourself and actually, you know, uh, cleaning your room and all that when uh, there's climate change? Then Jordan <laughs> Peterson's like, okay, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. You have to fix your, you have to get your own house in order first before you tackle the big, the big issues. Yeah. And if you cannot do it, if you don't even have a clear path, means the house is not in order yet. And actually fix, fix that, fix that first. Yeah. Actually a good example, Bradley, if you really want, uh, is uh, Robert Mercer. You, if you read about, about, about him and how he got, um, uh, Trump elected, then you know what money can really do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you want to change but you don't want to take a risk. Yeah. You 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 create content only for people who really believe what you say. You don't put yourself out there, you don't start a YouTube channel, you don't actually try to make money and spend money to become a politician. Yeah. Then then what? Where's your commitment? In a way, it makes sense because if you're going to affect politics, people need to know that you have sacrificed something to yes. be where you are. Yes. If you sacrifice nothing to be where you are. Who's going to believe you? Yeah. Gotta have skin in the game. Exactly. Yeah, skin in the game, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Last question for the day. It's been almost two hours. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, this is, I suppose, this is more towards, uh, well, maybe for you guys personally and for mm. the company. Mm. What do you guys wish that you guys were individually or viral was appreciated more for? More for? Hmm. Mm. I think we are, to be honest, we're getting the right amount we feel of um, attention because naturally our business model only attracts certain kind of people. Yeah. Um, but there are many things we can do that can get more views straight away and followers, but that's not what we're about. So I would say I, if there was one maybe that people would realize how we have how much we have put into simp uh, introducing the importance of long-term investing. But even then, so I say there are people who are pretty thankful for that. So that's why honestly, I feel like we have been properly uh, remunerated yeah, in, in that sense, uh, not, yeah. not money-wise in, in that sense. I would say I don't have much to say about that. what people should recognize us more for um, I would come from an angle of um, people always think that investing is their way out of something and um, they feel like it's same to entrepreneurship. If I get into business, then I, I, I will, this is my escape, escape plan. Uh. I think it is, um, it, it, it's an amplifier rather than anything else. What, what I mean by this is that most of the clients of that, no, I wouldn't say sorry, I wouldn't say most, I said some of the clients that, that, that have come to us, right? They said, oh, John, help me invest better. Get me, uh, help me get a better Kega or whatever. And when you dig deeper, you realize that is that the house is not in order, meaning their own personal finance and everything is not in order. We, we created Fire with a very specific niche because that's what we enjoy doing, which is stocks. But in the end, we end up finding ourselves having to go sort that house in order first. And uh, I feel it is not something we can solve alone. Uh, but what I hope we can uh, do with Fire is making people realize that their house is not in order, then taking the responsibility and ownership to sort that, only then come to 
to stocks. It, it's a trigger lah. Because most people they say that they want the money, but it's like it's like the energy of this 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 teapot lah. They want the money coming in, which is from the investment returns, but there's actually a bigger hole at the back at the bottom. I I think it's it goes hand in hand, and I think that's where fire. I hope is to be the trigger point. Yes, I we get them attracted that there is a potential good return for stocks, but at the same time they also get to realize that, hey, it's about the whole the whole package uh, that you have to sort out your own finances as well. Uh, yeah, and and we can't be solving that for you lah, in a way, but. To give you that realization, you need to solve it. Is is something that you know? I hope Fira can do too. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you just add on what you're saying. Like, I think it's a good start. Even even though you guys on the surface are just teaching about stocks, yeah, uh, it's an attractive uh, investing equipment that use uh, very superior returns than a lot of stuff. But in order to do be able to invest in stocks, you got to first say, in in your words, right? In Jordan Peterson's words, clean up your own room. Yeah, get a yeah. job that's high paying enough. Get a skill that allows you to get exactly. a job that's high paying enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, make sure that you don't spend on stuff that's unnecessary. And these are the basic things that uh, are prerequisites to make you an investor to begin with. Like. That's right. And uh, I'm ever thankful to Firo for your coaching, being your coachee, uh, your SIB programs, and a lot of the other uh, free products, paid products that you guys put out. Um, this is a chance for you guys to maybe just plug in some of the sure. stuff that you guys offer. Just, uh, well, you can follow us on Firo, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Firo, Firo.co. Uh, we also have a podcast called the Firo Podcast. Interesting name. And uh, Facebook, yeah, Firo Guys. Uh, it's a bit different. These are the basic areas. We are on TikTok also, but then I don't know like, if people listening to this are at that age, you know. Yeah. Also, we what we do is we will try to provide an opportunity for people to learn about different industries uh, every month. Um, okay, what we try to do every month, but we're, we're starting off with once and twice a month. It's called our industry deep dives. So that's where we give a people a perspective. It's not a buy call or sell call, but an understanding of the industry and business models. I think that's where, because you see it, in people from who come into stock investing have varied experience. Some of them are already experienced. They know how to read all that. But I think what is not spent more time on is to understand business models. And that's where, that's where we hope to achieve in our deep dive sessions. Yeah. Yeah. I totally enjoyed your tech deep dive. Quite looking forward to the oil and gas deep dive dive as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much today for your time. Uh, Thank you for making me less nervous for (laughs) podcast number one. Thank you for being great, uh, great guests on the show. And how do you guys usually close the podcast? Do you do another clap? No, no. we just, no, just, just say, say goodbye. No, goodbye. You guys do the honors for me. Subscribe to Bradley's podcast. I think it's uh, yeah. it's something that will bring enrichment to your life. And Thank see you. you in the next uh, podcast. Bye-bye, right. everyone. Bye-bye. Yeah.